franchise where we discuss franchises of all shapes, sizes, and suplexes. Oh, I'm one of your hosts, Fred Dakin. Here with me, as always, is my co host, Tom Stadler. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Fred. Very good. I'm ready to talk about the macho man here. <laughs> I want to get into all the different things that he did throughout his career here. You want to talk about him getting up on the top rope and dropping that flying elbow here. He's going to be in there, yeah. Yes, brother. The cream has indeed risen to the crop. <laughs> <laughs> to the crop. To the top. The top? The top. Of the, it's cream corn. <laughs> this cream of the crop rise to the top. Was that a song? <laughs> cream to the crop. <laughs> rise like, to the top. Like the cream of the crop, I rise to the top. Uh, House of Pain. My House of Pain. Yes, yes. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you well, may have heard another voice there because we have a very special episode. And it's very special to me. Yes. Because this guest, I'm not going to say his name yet, was the first guest of my first podcast. The Whoa. first person that I reached out to for my old podcast, Hold Up, Throw Down. Where you can find at zero podcast places. It's not out there anymore. One day it may get released. It's if no enough longer? people ask, we may have like one or two episodes up somewhere, but it was back in the day where you're going through SoundCloud and you had to pay like a ridiculous fee to have like your episodes up. It was like, I was paying $30 for SoundCloud at one point to have my episodes up. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is this, this guest. Yes. Is hands down my favorite stand up in the Milwaukee area. Probably one of my favorite stand-ups of all time. Oh. For sure. And one of my favorite people to do comedy stuff with. If I'm at a comedy event and I see this person, I know I can, like, grab onto his, like, coattails and hang out with him. <laughs> We've got the one, the only Chris Schmidt here with us today. What up, besties? How's it going? Fred, I was about to take you to task for the... Uh the rambling intro there, but it got really good at the end. I like that. <laughs> he really gave you a very like big, just like. Entrance. It started with a rant against SoundCloud. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't know how to come out to that. But then it got, then it got nice. It got nice. And Tom, I, I really appreciated your Macho Man impression. Oh, thank you. I was worried I was going to have to do one, and that that did it for the entire podcast. I don't have a great one. I couldn't have done that well. Back, that was very good. Back when Tom and I were on the championship team, the Fred, we Dual, don't talk about. This. I know we don't talk about. We don't talk about the mega powers. Is that what you're referring to? The mega powers? Is that <laughs> back when Fred and I were a tag team? Yeah, he was getting up in there, you know, mm -hmm. and he was letting them know how to be funny. That's right. Yeah, I heard, they, it, I heard it produce some memorable handshakes. <laughs> oh yeah, I could handshake the fuck out of anyone. Yeah, but we were. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were in Father Figures. We were in Father Figures. Dual Great champions. Name. Great name. At the, well, Interchange Theater now was at that point something different, but. That would be a good wrestling tag team name as well. Father Figures. Father figures. Yeah. <laughs> a father-son duo. A couple daddies. <laughs> well, I remember we did a promo for one of our final things, and you did the Macho Man and just blew everyone else's impressions. I did Samuel Jackson, which for the time, I don't know what I was whoa, thinking. Whoa, whoa, Fred. <laughs> you sure you want to say that on a podcast? I wasn't doing a voice. I was doing like You were just his, doing a face? No, I was doing an, a parody of an interview he did recently uh, that I was obsessed with. I don't even 
remember what the context was, but we just kind of did that. And then I was, I remember being so like, did like a white guy version of that. Yeah, and so it was so horrible. you gentrified it. Is I did. I gentrified <laughs> the Sam Jackson. Okay. Well, that's better than the alternative, actually. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And if you have not figured out what our topic is yet this week, we are talking about the one and only. Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. If you are not familiar with Macho Man, he was a famous wrestler back in the days, well, pretty much the, and we'll get into it, the 80s through the 2000s. Well, John, it's the rock and wrestling era. The rock and, is that the actual, like, <laughs> that's kind of how people have, like, captured it now, because that was the name of the cartoon. Oh, guys, they were all on a cartoon. Saturday oh morning my cartoon. god, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Back when everything had a cartoon. Well, also that was when like uh, WWE, WWF then started working with MTV, so that was mm-hmm. a big thing. They they kind of capitalized on like the popularity of music videos. So they got like Cindy Lauper involved, and they had a, a match on MTV, and there was a big crossover to it. Is that why they always had like such random people on like some of the broadcasts? Lying in the ring asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Knocked out, you just suplexed me. Uh, I bet I bet you could listen to any Cindy Lauper song while watching any wrestling (laughs) match and it would be incredible. I don't think that's it's, untrue. That's like the dark side of the moon, Wizard of Oz line. Yeah, exactly. like you gotta listen yeah, to that City. unlocks the secret of what makes wrestling <laughs> so good. Yeah, Triple X lands a suplex at the same time. Girls just want to have fun. Kicks on. <laughs> that's about as like much. That's like the best wrestling joke I'm gonna make today. <laughs> Honestly, though, it was a pretty good one. <laughs> um, but obviously, we are here today to talk about why Macho Man and wrestling in general. We're so good, are so good. Chris, you are a big wrestling fan. You wanted to talk about the macho man to the point where you were like, I just want to focus in specifically on this guy. What is your history with wrestling itself? And then why did you start? Why, when? I kind of combined the two. But you can actually answer both. Why and when did you start um, following macho man specifically and focus in on him as like a wrestler you like to follow? Uh, well, I, I got into it when I was a kid at pretty much around the time I was talking about the the WrestleMania one where uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T teamed up because oh, I yeah. liked I liked a team. I was a fan of a team and B.A. Baracus, Mr. T. And then I saw the Saturday morning cartoon Hulk Hogan on there. And then I think I started watching the cartoon and then I saw the show and I saw the guys from the cartoon in the show. And it was just fascinating to me. And I think uh, I didn't get it then, but looking back, I think the appeal is the fact that they were like human cartoon characters. So yeah. it really was watching something. Oh, by the way, I got a quick trivia. So do you remember the cartoon I'm talking about? Vaguely. So Hulk Hogan's in it. I only like found out uh, recently that Hulk didn't do his own voice. Of course not. He's like <laughs> got better things to do than do a cartoon voice. Do you know who did his voice? I actually have a very good guess for this. Uh, if, if you got it, say it. Is it Dan Castellaneta? No. <laughs> oh. No, but that would be amazing. That would be great. Because I Dan feel like being the voice of uh, Homer Simpson for the people out there, mm-hmm. and also Genie in Aladdin Two: Return of Jafar. Yeah. Even like D- Dan Castellaneta would have made more sense. It was Brad Garrett. Oh, Robert. Mm. Wow. Everybody, loves everybody loves Randy. Everybody loves Randy. So even then, he was playing a guy who says brother, talks about his brother all the time. <laughs> guy who's obsessed with his brother. Yeah. Do you guys know who else Brad Garrett voices? Who? He does Eeyore now. I like oh, that. Oh, that's. He oh, doesn't he even have to change his voice. Oh, he was Robin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
You can hear it when you think yeah. of like Eeyore's voice now. He's got that real low kind of sad voice. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I had no idea. But that kind of makes sense for that yeah, era. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So then mm-hmm. I was watching the, I kind of, I latched onto it then. I think maybe it was like a little after WrestleMania 1, but then you could get the tapes from the video store. Mm-hmm. So if my parents were doing like card night with their friends or something, they'd rent a WrestleMania. So I'd watch it. And I just kind of, I got into it. Uh, and it, w- it was like, it, it had an appeal to kids in a way then that you can still look back and appreciate a lot of it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like there was a cartooniness to it, but I think Macho Man was the perfect intersection of all that because he was a human cartoon character also, but he was also like uh, like a flawed human being and he had these like tragic hero aspects to him. Yeah. You know, he had, and it was cool watching that whole uh, uh, best of compilation on the, on the Peacock Network. Because just watching all his WrestleMania matches back to back, you see a whole character evolution. Sure. Like it appeals, I think, at a really deep level. Uh, so I think that's why I didn't even understand uh, how perfect he'd be for this at first. When you when I said something wrestling would be good, he was just one of the first topics that jumped to mind that everyone's kind of familiar with. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of layers to him, too. Yeah, I was going to say this is going to be, I think, one of my favorite kind of episodes that we're going to do with this podcast, because I think it started with the Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. Giacchino. I don't remember. We had it down for the podcast. This is Giacchino. Giacchino yeah. had first it right the first time. But uh, it's where we pick a person who is like a franchise player. Like we want like uh, I think I'm going to say it now. So it happens one day. I want to do a Brad Dourif episode, oh, a guy cool. who's a franchise yeah. player and from what I watched, I only watched a few matches and the documentary he talked about, Macho Man Randy Savage is like the franchise player to look at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, and I mean, they have a great documentary, yeah, on there, as you mentioned. on Peacock. It's on the cock, right? On the cock, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it really dived into just like how it was always like his idea to put people in the spotlight. And like, that's a type of thing I feel like don't get to hear about while they're obviously performing. And you're like, oh, shit. So this guy was just like a team player through and through. He was like a real visionary. And you don't you hear about certain guys who are like this. Like, I think Chris Jericho right now is probably uh, the best example of a guy who, like, is thinking about his character. But he's also thinking about his overall story. And, like, that's why they're so good at, like, picking another guy and making, like, a feud that feels really uh, intense Mm -hmm. and, like, draws you in. Like, Macho Man did that with guy after guy after guy. Where I think he kind of he he envisioned more of a story arc than more guys see, and now it's kind of a lost arc because they can't really work that way anymore. Yeah, they have less creative control. I think Macho Man. One of the things they mentioned in the documentary was he would go and uh, talk to Vince McMahon like every weekend. I think he was like supplying his own creative more so than anyone else. They said with his matches, he would like choreograph them. And, like, work it out with the other guy to the point where they said him and Steamboat, he would call numbers and Steamboat was supposed to know what the corresponding spot was. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, like, everyone else kind of works on the fly in a way. They know the big beats. Yeah. But Macho Man was, like, seeing it all the way through. And that's why his matches had that, like, really epic feel to them. He's kind of like who I just was talking about before, uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Who's a guy who like has his stuff like when he has his script he's got highlighted. Who's, I'm I'm moves. unfamiliar with you mentioned him. I'm unfamiliar with Sam Jackson. Could you do like an impression of him to help <laughs> help jog my memory? I'm, I'm, the name's familiar, but he, perhaps these are some voice. tasty burgers. <laughs> um, yeah, he he'll like highlight his whole script with like this. He comes prepared, and if everyone else isn't with that preparedness. 
He's pissed off at them and they're unprofessional. I got that vibe watching him when he had his list of all the moves in the documentary. Mm -hmm. You know, just mm -hmm. like down by like every move. I was just like, wow, it's 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 a professional. If yeah. you see like big picture, you understand more about how the nuance of what you do matters. Mm -hmm. It really was fascinating watching like a bunch of his like big matches, his WrestleMania matches back to back because I started to see certain spots he would repeat. Mm hmm. But he uses them in like the perfect way in there. So you didn't even realize it was a thing. Like there was one move he did in multiple uh, matches where he gets he gets uh, upset about the guy in the ring. He goes off in a huff and goes outside. He picks up a folding chair. Uh, you know, normally they hit each other with it. He would just toss it into the ring. <laughs> and then he'd get in the ring and the referee would be like, what the hell? And he'd grab the folding chair and turn around. And then while the ref's back was turned, Macho Man would knee his opponent in the back. <laughs> it was so like, I love it. Like, you know, because the first thing he does, you're like, why is he doing this? Yeah. And he's thinking ahead. It's just, it's a fascinating way to approach it. It really is like, uh, you know, he's one of the, the greater artists, I think you could say, in wrestling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even from his ring performance to like his interviews i mean i think a lot of people that are listening to the episode even if they've never seen macho man wrestle they know him from like some of the interviews of kind of everyone viral. knows oh yeah yeah or his commercials or whatever else there was it's interesting you guys were talking too about like the consummate professional because it actually made me think of the rock who had that wrestling background before he went there. I mean, that not that the whole reason he's got beef with, like, Vin Diesel? Is that The Rock's, like, I'm here to bust my butt, even if he's, like, half as talented as Sam Jackson. You know, it's like mm -hmm. he's there to work, and he puts in the work, and Vin Diesel's just like, when we film it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a work ethic to that kind of guy. The Rock, The Rock's another uh, a macho man type where he created this whole, like, iconic persona for himself where you can't really tell where the line stops anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's another thing they're not really able to do anymore. Like The Rock, he wasn't, he made himself from Dwayne Johnson to The Rock, like uh, Macho Man was Randy Poffo. Mm -hmm. But The Rock also, like, he was able to kind of be a normal person enough. He was able to transition into movies. And yeah. I think Macho Man was so the Macho Man. Like, mm -hmm. Like, how could you, you, if you had him in a movie, there'd have to be an explanation for why this guy is this way. Yeah. Like, you couldn't believe, like, in Rampage that he's a veterinarian or something right. like that. Which, like, even The Rock is like, now you, The Rock can't do that. Yeah. He could do it back in the day. Like, when he was, like, Scorpion King built, or, like, the picture that you have up on the wall here, Tom, like, he, you, you could see, you see guys like that. They're big, but they can be ev quote unquote everyday guys. Yeah. But yeah. now the rock is, it's, he's like Arnold level. We're like, you know, <laughs> jingle all the way. Arnold's like, yes, I'm like a carpet mat seller or something. Yeah, like he sells yeah. carpets. <laughs> You're my number one customer. <laughs> Arnold Schwartz, movies where Arnold Schwarzenegger is just a regular guy are so funny. <laughs> I'm are. just a small town sheriff. <laughs> Listen, I just sell medics. It's okay. Like, I'm going to get pregnant. It's great. <laughs> um, so did you keep watching wrestling then even kind of after Macho Man's departure or was that like the, the line? I know. I pretty much, I've pretty much been watching the entire time. It's, wow. Uh, it's a little embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> Why is but it embarrassing? I kind of, I had, I see, I, I sort of got myself off a little bit. I did start, start to fade out around that time when Macho Man left and yeah. then, uh, and then the NWO thing happened. Like, I happened to see an episode of WCW Nitro. Oh, man. You know, and we all know about the NWO. It's one of those other things that's, like, crossed over. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool. And then WWF got cool to compete with that. And then Stone Cold and The Rock happened. Yeah. It's cool. Being, like, a lifetime wrestling fan, it's, it's uh, you really, like, you appreciate every, like, uh, nuance of it. I, you know, it's a thing where you have a deeper... Uh, 
appreciation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you almost could see a philosophical angle to it, yeah. you know, and the way everything works. But it's also like something, uh, It's it very much seems like it's for children. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the stigma that's always been around wrestling, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this or have talked to people who feel this way. It's like, oh, don't you know it's fake? It's like. Yes, I know right. it's fake. That's not the point. Like it's we're like we're past that now. Even I yeah. think where, that yeah. was it for a while, and it's still to people who don't watch it. It it doesn't make sense if you don't watch it. Yeah, like what would appeal to people about it? Right. I think that was kind of something that I did appreciate. As we're talking about deep appreciations back when The Rock was like wrestling because he, I think he kind of even acknowledged like, hey, what I'm doing out here is not like real. I'm not hurting people for mm-hmm. real. But it's sports entertainment. We're here to entertain you, dive into our storylines. It's like watching a soap opera in a way, right? It's interesting watching these characters. And with wrestling, it's so open-ended. That's part of what makes it interesting. You know, like you watch Breaking Bad to see Walter White turn heel, essentially. That's an extended heel turn. The ideal of, like, the idea of face and heel dynamics and turns, Star Wars... You, like, the, the thrill of wrestling is the same thrill of watching Darth Vader pick the Emperor up and toss him down that elevator right. shaft. You want to see these redeeming moments, which is also what was so amazing about Macho Man is he had some of the best redeeming moments. He made himself the worst guy, but you wanted him. You wanted to see him give in to the fans and yeah. just be a hero, and he did it a couple times, and then he went back, and then he did it again. Mm-hmm. Like, that is control over your audience. Absolutely. And I think that speaks to exactly the the professional that he was, that he could kind of go back and forward like that. Yeah, I mean, and I think I was kind of where you were, Chris, like, where I started watching, well, from a very young age. Like, I was, like, four or five watching these guys. And well, when it gets you that young, it's hard to get out. It's yeah. can, I put, can I put the quickest of pin and just ask you guys a quick question? Yeah. Were your parents... Not phased at all by the wrestling, no problems with it. Nope. Not not outwardly, but in hindsight, I'm like I'm embarrassed for them. <laughs> I'm like they couldn't have loved that. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to know that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, and I, I do want to get into your background, Fred. I think the way my parents were is they made very clear what I was watching is fake. Like, yeah. Don't go out in the neighborhood and do this because you will hurt people. But and like, that's exactly why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I broke my arm the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then I kind of faded off because I was like, oh, you know, something I loved as a kid and then got back into it when I hit middle school. And I was like, oh, man, like Steve Austin came on the scene yeah. and then The Rock. And it was like so exciting because they just were just such big draws. We went to the events in Milwaukee. They were letting something like really organic happen there. The fans mm-hmm. were responding to it and it just kept growing and growing. And after after that period and after like everything happened with WCW and after everyone jumped ship and they yeah. almost uh, they, they kind of constrained everything and no one can really take off like that anymore. And I think it makes it a little bit more limiting, like to try to get into. Well, and there's so many different pl- like leagues now, right? Or yeah. I don't even know. Which is, that's cool because there's alternatives. Yeah. Now. It is great, and it's. I think it's it's awesome that there is like a little bit of something for everybody. It's what it needed. Yeah. Well, and Vince McMahon leaving was what it needed. <laughs> I mean, now, yeah, they're in like probably the most biggest transition of that they've been in in a long, yeah. long time. So you know, to see where Triple H goes, and it seems bit. like they're swinging back toward catering to wrestling fans themselves, yeah. rather than just like trying to cross over. Absolutely, and I think that's. I think that's going to be something that it's going to be fun to monitor and just kind of see like if people start finding it again. Mm-hmm. You know? Something that it lost from the days of Macho Man was that uh, yeah. the big event feel. 
because mm-hmm. it all got kind of uh, grounded down to sameness by the fact that they had so many shows and they treated every guy like that. Those titles where like Hulk Hogan had the title for like five years and when Macho Man got it, it was a big deal. Yeah. Now they just kind of pass them back and forth and all of that level of like uh, uh, prestige has been gone. Yeah. Because Vince McMahon kind of moved away from like the traditional aspect. But Triple H seems like he's in favor of that. So it could be going the other way now. Yeah. Which would make it more uh, feel like old, like the old school. That's what if we get like some something like with that old school feel, yeah. I think it's going to be really a uh, big improvement. Well, I think just getting a big personality like that again, I feel like it's and just from an outsider's view, because I kind of mm-hmm. fell off once Stone Cold and The Rock left. Um, just because I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, my favorite guys are all gone. And like, all right, I guess uh, I'm it's just slowly started losing interest. But I felt like then, like outside of John Cena, I didn't really know about mm-hmm. too many big personalities in there. I mean, even today, I'm kind of like, okay. I was I was thinking about this while watching Macho Man. In yeah. that there's kind of two types of like uh, top guys, like guys who they'll have at like the main event level. There's the ones where you imagine. If you saw them in like a gas station, yeah, they would be like they are in the ring. Yeah. It would be like crazy. <laughs> you know, you're like meeting this like wild character. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ones where you feel like they'd probably be polite. They talk relatively normal. Like Cena's the latter. Cena, Cena seems like just a, a good guy. Definitely yeah. like big and strong. And you understand why he's on top. But he seems normal. Yeah. Macho Man, you would be like, is he on coke right now? <laughs> That was my favorite part of the documentary was seeing clips and then they'll cut to just some old guy and it'll be like, you either see the years or you don't. Who uh, Who's the guy who in the, you said his name earlier, Steamboat? Ricky Steamboat. Dude, that dude looks great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I was looking at him. And then it cut to, I can't, I wish I remember the name. This dude who looked like he had his hair dyed. He looked like he was wearing a Tom Hardy shirt and he was an older guy. And he just <laughs> oh, looked. That might be Matt Hardy. It could, that sounded, and I was just like, dude looks rough. But it was very interesting to see just like the comparison. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Ste- Steamboat was like a fitness freak. That was what okay. he was kind of known as like a guy who could just go and go. He did like, he would do like hour long matches and mm-hmm. like wow. people are like you can't get that guy tired. That's so a, it's cool that it's cool he still looks like he's like, right. He, he's, he's doing a match again sometime soon, and I think he's like seventy. Holy cow! He's, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! That's not much. Like Ric Flair is not much older. Like you can compare those two. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's ripping stogies on the street with Mike Tyson. Is what I just saw. Um, Fred. So you mentioned though that your parents. Maybe didn't let you watch. Is that how it was? No Simpsons. No, they would always call that Bart Simpson show. (laughs) (laughs) And no wrestling because it's violent. I would catch it here and there when I could. But I definitely, it was one of those things that when I was younger, I was obsessed with it. Never got to see it. Oh, wow. I remember being on field trips. Kids would have cassettes. And it would be like the like uh, hype music for all the people for the WWF. They would come out cassette tapes. And I remember I was able to like borrow one from a friend. That was like, I was like, this is close. <laughs> I'd just be listening because it would tell you like who it was for. Like, this is Triple H song. This is blank song. Uh, I think I was into it because everyone knows two things about me. I was born in a small town. And I love the spooky shit. <laughs> so I think I was drawn to like... The Rob Zombie and Cornification of the WWF, right? Wasn't that the group? When we're talking the black with the blood red, you know, WWF, we're talking the guys in the masks. The the Wyatt family? (laughs) Is that what you're talking about? 
I don't. You tell me. I think <laughs> he's thinking newer? about the Attitude Era. Just that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just but it was like whole. the scribble WW. Oh yeah. Okay. And they had the F that they just cut off because they yeah, got just WF, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what was in my brain. I was like, WFF? No. Yeah. But I just remember that. I remember seeing toys, playing N64 games. Yeah. This is how I was able to like experience it. But then recently watching it, it's kind of like I missed it. Yeah. you. I feel it it's, helps it's to have that. It's interesting having those things where you like yeah. know them from glimpses, and it's kind of fascinating, like the speculation that goes into like how does that all fit together? Or, like, the same thing with horror movies. Like, I would yeah. hear parts of horror movies, but yeah. I, and I was obsessed with horror, but I was never allowed to watch them. So I probably had a pretty scary, cool version of every horror movie in my head before watching them. Like, oh, wow. You know? That's wild. <laughs> well, I remember going out to eat by my grandparents. There was a Freddy Krueger pinball machine, and that was enough just to, like, send me on, like, that hours of incredible. a nightmare. Yeah. So I didn't really get to get into it. But I do. I did learn this. Freddy Krueger. That's a good friend. Have you guys done Freddy Krueger yet? We have not. <sighs> that's one. That'll yeah. be one day for sure, though. For sure, I would love to do Krueger because those movies are all at least interesting yes. in some way. So, did you know who Macho Man was, though, from like even an outsider's perspective? Yeah, but honestly, I could probably put together he was a wrestler, but mm-hmm. I would know him more as the Slim Jim. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, that's probably just the fact in me. Yeah. I'm like makes the sense. guy from the meat because you were like he was he was probably by the time you would have been watching stuff he wasn't really on TV that much anymore. No, like even I when said, he was in WCW, yeah. like he was downplayed a lot. He wasn't a huge yeah. part of the NWO. He like. I like how they touch on he had that last hurrah with Diamond Dallas Page, and that was really cool. He got yeah. to do, like, one more, like, full-on feud, like, deathmatch fight. Like, yeah. it was cool him getting that. But then he kind of faded out after that. Yeah. It was just so, yes, bad. Slim Jim was the biggest thing about him at that time. Mm-hmm. It was. That and uh, Bonesaw is right. Oh, yeah. That's I right. was about to say, that's oh probably God, how... where I'd recognize him from is Spider-Man. <laughs> we were talking about Macho Man being in a movie. That's how you get Macho Man in a movie right, right there. He's a wrestler. <laughs> but that's probably one of my favorite line reads of a movie ever is, Bonesaw is ready. Because <laughs> like, he just sounds like a scary man and like a five-year-old in a, like a kindergarten. Doing, at the same the, time. The Rock thing. He's talking about himself in the third person. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and he gave it... Oh, it was a gift from Sam Raimi. To, he just gave it his all there. And he put Bruce Campbell and Macho Man in the ring at the same time in a movie. And it's going to be forever remembered because it was like the first big superhero movie. Like... Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't count X-Men, but... Yeah. I wanted... What I was hoping would happen would be that like Macho Man and Spider-Man would have a common enemy and then they'd have to team up. <laughs> But then, like, <laughs> Macho Man felt like Spider-Man was hogging the limelight and was making uh, eyes at his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so then Macho Man turns on Spider-Man during a, a, ma- a climactic match. Yeah. <laughs> Freak show. And then we get a movie where it's like Macho Man versus Spider-Man. <laughs> I just like the idea that you're, like, watching Spider-Man theaters, like... When the fuck is Bonesaw yeah. coming back? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> how about how about more of that Bonesaw guy next movie? I'm in a focus group. He looks like he like, can take the Bonesaw. He seems out. ready. Can we get a can we get a bone can we get Bonesaw just get his own movie? Like a Todd Phillips Joker Bonesaw movie. People love Saw. Why would they not love Bonesaw? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Saw and Macho Man, and they love Ma- it's two good things. That's gonna be things. the reboot in like Saw Eleven or whatever. The one. Would you movie. like to play a game, brother? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> now I'm sad that can't be a thing. 
You're gonna snap into a slim gym. You're gonna <laughs> like it. <laughs> no, 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 ah, no, anything but that. So crazy. Can I dive into that tub of syringes instead? <laughs> you gotta drink this thirty pack of Keystone Ice. One of them's got a key. <laughs> Let's talk about um, Macho Man's history though a little bit. So he was born Randy Mario Papo, which is a phenomenal name that he decided not yeah. to use. Because <laughs> he's second generation. He didn't want to cash in on his dad's name. Right. Angelo Papo. He did a Nick Cage. He didn't want the family name. <laughs> That's true. And that. like also changed to a really awesome name. <laughs> it's like you have kind of a very unique name to start, and then you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to one-up this just so I'm not confused <laughs> with both my dad or connected automatically with my I dad. I just wish he would have been like, my new name is Paul Glenn. Paul Glenn. <laughs> another, another famous one of those, the guy we were talking about before, Ricky Steamboat, his real name is Richard Blood. Whoa. <laughs> Great name, right? Now, why on the hell? Because he was like the ultimate good guy. So that's like a bad guy name. Sure. But that would have been funny. <laughs> Are you kidding, man? Ricky Blood. My name's cool. Ricky what Blood. Something I was thinking about when we were talking about like uh, character and everything is I sort of I think it's interesting to take like someone's uh, like a uh, like a like a character a persona and try to boil it down to like one word. Yeah, you usually can kind of do it. And I noticed a lot of those guys back then, they like they had it right there in their name. Like you think about Macho Man Randy Savage. That Savage is really it describes him so well because right. he was like wild and unpredictable, and he could be good, he could be bad. He would. Uh, in the Hogan match, he's like swatting at Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and it's almost uncomfortable because you don't want to see him hit Elizabeth. Right. But it's more like he's just lashing out at someone who's trying to take care of him. Yeah, you know, it's it's so perfect. I don't even know if he could have realized how perfect it was. I mean, especially when you find out what their relationship was like in real life, and you're yeah. like, oh man, which um, we'll definitely dive into here shortly. But yeah, and if anyone hasn't seen that documentary, it's kind of weird. Like, I would definitely recommend it based on. <laughs> it's not the best documentary though at times it feels like in a movie where they need exposition so they cut to a screen and show part of like a doc mm-hmm. like i feel like it almost is the vibe of back to future 2 where it's like the little biff recap in yeah. the it's like very <laughs> it's very like and that's when he met his sweetheart right. yeah. Yeah. It's, very, it's very compressed but i do appreciate that they go like like, it's cool finding out, like, what, what happened to him at the end. I was happy that he had, like, a, a period oh, yeah. of happiness, you know, yeah. those things. But, it, yeah, it's it, as a wrestling fan, I was like, what? You're not even going to talk about, like, you could have, but you could do an hour and a half documentary just about him and Hogan. Like, yeah. that alone would be mm-hmm. probably the most interesting part to me. I don't know if I fully appreciated how behind the scenes it actually was and what kind of, like, real tensions they were playing with. Like, if oh. he was legit jealous of Hogan, which he had to be because uh, he was so good at what he did and he probably mm-hmm. deserved to be the top guy but he couldn't be because hogan was going to be the top guy hogan yeah. just was too it he was too exactly what they were doing macho man was destined to always end up like beneath hogan so he can't be the top guy he's got to try to be the top bad guy right but he had so much potential as like the face of the company Ugh, yeah. and it's i think that realistically frustrated him and it, le- it led uh, it put a lot of like real tension in the uh them working together though which i think makes it better though too right because you feel that tension i love that story uh like hogan talks about i think it was like wrestlemania three or four or whatever or he might have even been Mm -hmm. in between there but where he's like oh yeah you know we were filming this bit in the back and and uh he starts like yelling at me for real and then they're like oh we're gonna roll camera roll camera he's like are you kidding like (laughs) this guy's going off right now (laughs) yeah which like as we heard but he's like he also could have been daniel day lewising he was so method yeah it seems it's cool what's a cool thing about the documentary is how they talk about how that's not like 
he wasn't he actually wasn't born that way as much as you want that to be the case like right he was kind of a normal guy and he learned all these things as like things people responded to so the oh yeah it's great the savage thing once more he took it from like a guy who was like a polynesian wrestler yeah who did this kind of like uh like like native character who did like an oh yeah and he took that and made it his own version but he kept that element that uh that unpredictable nature yeah he like it's uh I think that's another thing that can appeal uh, to adults about wrestling is the mm-hmm. way it's just a, an interactive thing between the performer and the audience. Mm-hmm. They find what the audience responds to and take it, and it's not going to be everything. So you kind of see that live experiment happening. Right. And Macho was perfect on picking up on those pulses and knowing what to put into that character and where to go with it. It's a lot like improv, if I do say so myself. I think that's why there's so much appeal from wrestling to comedians. A lot of comics are big wrestling fans. Uh, improv's kind of the same thing. Like we, I, I know uh, I said Macho would put his matches together like beat by beat. Usually you're kind of going on the fly. That's it's it's improv in the ring right there. Yeah, I didn't realize how much of it was in there. So they like cool. learn the spots and what works, but then they got to sew it together in yeah. the moment. So in, in an improv, you kind of learn certain things you can rely on or go right. to. And if the other guy catches that groove and knows what you're doing, it's gonna be nice. Mm-hmm. Or just like getting a laugh on a certain thing and knowing like, oh, that's what these people want. Oh yeah, knowing how to milk it and knowing how to milk it. Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll do another podcast one day where we talk about the behind the scenes <laughs> beats of how like um, Macho, his all of his gestures, every yeah. one of those had to be something he tried doing. He does a like finger spin. Yeah. You know, he's got all these and his elbow his his elbow's amazing, but what's even greater is the pose beforehand. Oh. Where he puts up the finger and he like adjusts the trunks. <laughs> he's got this whole ritual thing he does every Every single time. He doesn't just do the elbow. He does that entire... And it's because he found an audience response to that. So he does that, and they're going to pop for it. And then he hits the move, and they're going to pop for that even bigger. Right. It's, like- as a performer, it's like you won't find... Uh, uh, He's, he's one of the, you can go across any medium and like few guys are going to be that tuned in as performers to what they're doing. Right. He's like kind of fluffing them a little bit before he gives it to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I like the flex when he does the cream of the crop. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh cream. yeah! Wait, wait, no, I said <laughs> the cream of the crop when the cream rises to the top. Yeah. He's making curds, people, right? Oh, that's a good way to. That's put why he it. appeals to Midwesterners. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting you talked about before too that he is kind of a regular guy because I think one of the most fascinating things I knew, and I was really happy the documentary went into it too. You know that he's, he grew up in Downers Grove, but then he played baseball for a long time, and he was a good baseball player. That was his first player. passion. Yeah, and like. Like, he, like, legit maybe doesn't get injured. He's a professional baseball player at some point. God, what a career, loss. Which, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, I love baseball. I acknowledge where baseball is at today. I was just at a game yesterday as of this recording. But it's just fun to think that, like, what kind of energy he would have brought even just, like, doing interviews on ESPN as a baseball <laughs> player. Yeah. Because he's not going to go as over the top, but he still has that just, like, I don't know. He was tapping Intensity. into this like creative energy. Yeah, I don't. It's it is. I don't. I don't think there's any way he goes as nuts. He kind of did what he needed to do for what he does. Right. Like he needed to be the macho man to be the best he could be. So I think he would have just put the energy into being like a good baseball player. Probably. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that baseball gum that's like tobacco? Big league chew. I 
he probably would have been the big league chew spokesman. I yeah, feel. yeah, like he's, he's speaking for something. Yeah. He's definitely. <laughs> You're at the ballpark. You gotta chew on the good stuff. <laughs> he's, what's the what's the eastbound and down guy's name? Oh, um, Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. Yeah, he's Kenny Powers. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's the other. That's the other way. If he does tap into the Macho Man, <laughs> Kenny. If he's Powers. the Macho Man, he's Kenny Powers. <laughs> Kenny Powers coming back. They're doing an eastbound and they down revival. They are doing an eastbound and down oh, wow. like oh, next year. Breaking news. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. That's pretty cool. I love Eastbound and Down because I am a baseball fan. And I also learned to love Danny McBride and all of his. One of the best. He really is. He's he came off a little one note for a while, but then I started to appreciate all the different things he was He plays that note so well, though. He does. Sometimes if you do that note that well, you don't need other notes. Right. Right. I mean, isn't that kind of how half the actors like in the business do it? Like. When you're going to get Mr. T, you know what you're getting with Mr. Right. T, right? Except for Rocky Three, in which he really he brought Clubber a lot. Lang. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I know his name. Rocky Three also had Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that was that, that was another thing. Uh, wrestling becoming as big as it did for that period was like so yeah. many things kind of happening side by side. And mm-hmm. they just, Vince McMahon kind of found like, he found what was right there and then. Yeah. And over the last like 20 years, he's totally lost that. <laughs> Yeah, but no one he's been on top. So it's just been a lot of like really weird, weird decisions kind of catering to his own. Mm-hmm. Is Vince McMahon the guy that kind of looks like the American Funniest Home Videos guy? Yes. He's a bad too. man, though. It's a, yeah. Well, yeah, especially recently. Yeah, there's a we lot. Found there's out. a lot. There's so much. Without That's, getting too deep, I just want. Well, you can't even get in without getting too deep. <laughs> okay, yeah. then I'll look it up myself and be horrified later. No, I mean, basically, <laughs> the long and short is that McMahon's always kind of like run with an iron fist, even while he's kind of come yeah. off as like, I'm just your regular average, you know, performer. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out he really was like running with an iron fist and was forcing people into very uncomfortable sexual situations and to the point where he was bribing them. And, uh, yeah, so he's out now. <laughs> it's like a Weinstein of wrestling. Him, giving him a lot of money, though, to, to be chill about it. Yes. So like a Trump of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he always was. A little bit, right? I think behind the scenes, people knew that, but it just he was able to control the narrative about himself because he's like, I'm playing a version of myself. Well, and on it's here. what people were saying. It just it was going to keep going on until it wasn't uh, supportable anymore, right? Because he was on top of it and he had the money to do it, and now now he's gone, and wrestling is going to be better for it. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's the hope, right? Yeah. And that it's going to thrive without him. So I wanted to continue on in the history because there's a fun point to go back to our little Bonesaw jokes before. So when Savage finally had to quit baseball and decided to come home, he had bounced around between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds, like their minor league systems. He came back 1973, decided to start. Uh, well, that's I think he got into wrestling before that. You guys probably knew that from the yeah, documentary. Oh, this, is, this is cool. But when he first really broke in, his character was the spider. So I think the the nod that they were even doing that I never knew about is obviously Oh, nice. Putting him in Spider Man is a nod to his original character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back. I wonder did you know is that like confirmed a thing or is that just happenstance? That the- was that was kind of for generic masked wrestlers, there were certain names a lot of them would use and that was sort of one of them. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be like it would. Uh, it's. It's. Pro- it probably was the case. Yeah. Well, Spider, look at me. I know sports. 
would have a benefit in wrestling because you have more arms to grapple your opponent with. <laughs> oh, that's true. The <laughs> more you know. That's true. That maybe what he might have been some inspiration behind it. And you could wet you have a web too, so you could just web them to the mat and not even have to wrestle them. Yeah. I like that. It wouldn't even be fair. <laughs> They'd have to be like, we gotta come up with a rule. It'd be an air bud thing where they're like, Well, write the rule, we're gonna do it until <laughs> you know what was a wrestling idea that excited me though? And I'll let you get back to it, Tom, but I just wanna say this. I like the idea of a cage match. Oh, yeah. Uh, that the, the first time I saw one, I was blown away. I was like, wow. They did. The cage came down. Hogan Bundy. That's what it was. WrestleMania 2 for me. Hogan versus Bundy first time. And I was like, I've heard guys bleed in these things. <laughs> oh, and then Hogan bled. <laughs> or Bundy bled. Hogan busted Bundy open. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. That's... I was like, those guys must hate each other. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're probably grabbing beers after the match. Like, good job today. <laughs> but I know wrestlers don't drink beers at bars. They drink on the floor in a pile of beers, right? <sighs> what is this a reference to? Andre? <laughs> no, I thought that was a Stone Cold thing. I just saw, oh, I've seen a picture of where yeah. he's laying, and it's like a pile of ice with beers, and he's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how cool is that, though, that macho, like... Like fl- flaunted the rule, flouted, flouted the rules mm-hmm. by throwing on a wrestling under a mask just to wrestle, basically. Yeah, right. That kind of tells me, like, even even if things had worked out, he was probably looking at that the entire time. He was probably waiting for something to happen. Well, and like baseball careers don't last that long. Like, yeah. you're usually most guys will flame out by the time they're 35, which is sad because I'm turning 35 this week. <laughs> but isn't that oh, the sport even where you can last the long? You can other than golf. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, I don't know, tennis is pretty active. I don't know sports, but I have a feeling. But of the big ones, isn't baseball the one where people stick around a lot? Some, some guys. Yeah. But it's still, it's a lot of wear on your body, even though it's not contact. And it can be contact, too, but it's just yeah. doing those motions over and over. It's still 160 games a year. Yeah. And weirdly, I feel like the guys who have the most lasting performance are just or who can last the longest are like hockey players. Like there are guys who are like in their mid forties still doing it. And I'm like, well, that's because they're not even, they don't even got to move their legs. It's just, they're just skating around. Yeah. I right. thought it was because all their injuries were already on ice. Oh, I'll see oh. myself out. That's pretty good, Fred. Thank, thank you, Fred, for that one. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's you, you don't normally hear about guys coming from baseball to wrestling. There's a lot of football players. Yep. You know, and then obviously like amateur wrestlers. But baseball is not like uh, but it, it makes I mean, it makes sense in a way because they're in great shape still. They're not yeah. like they're not clobbering each other. But which is what wrestling is. not They're kind of trying not to do that. So. Yeah. Or now. And Macho, that's like Macho wasn't that big a guy, but he was really well conditioned, which is baseball, basically. Yeah. Which, I mean, and then you basically go from there and then just get bigger and bigger. And, like, yeah, I don't know. You're already in the fitness routine. Macho Man grew to- for sure. That WrestleMania 5 match is, like, mm. he's doing his best to be, he's, like, trying to be as close to Hogan as he can. It's, like, scary. <laughs> his arms look like they're going to burst. He's just, like, a full head. It's, sh- it's a shame because yeah. that's the match where, like, Hogan and Macho Man, that's after the Mega Powers explosion. Hogan and Macho Man, their big match. And everyone kind of remembers it as like a medium match. But uh, mm. when I was watching it again, like right before this, I see them just giving it everything they have. And it's just a tepid audience. It was in Trump Plaza. Oh. And a lot of the people there had just been like, they were like high rollers that were comped and they just kind of filled it, you oh, know? Oh, man. And like, it's it's people who don't appreciate wrestling. So they don't even like get what they're getting. And like as, as much effort as Hogan and Savage give it, like that's what made WrestleMania three amazing was it was like this giant like uh stadium of people and they're all mm-hmm. going nuts for like every single punch and kick. 
In Detroit, but not near the Hofstetter Center or whatever. <laughs> no, no. Hamtramck. Oh, the Hamtramck. Hamtramck. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds well, like a name feel... for a, a thong, really. <laughs> 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 Gotta get a new Hamtramck. That's like a banana hammock with a chain. <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of like Billy Joel, I think, is who will grab people from the lawn seats and he'll have like his front row a couple seats Five open rolls. and mm-hmm. he'll put them there because he's like, that gets me psyched by having people <laughs> who care to be there versus the people who can afford to be there who don't care, which sounds like the high rollers at this. Which Trump puts you in a weird position yeah. as a Billy Joel fan who can afford to sit maybe like the first like quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, do I buy the worst seat I can get or do I get a grass seat and hope Billy Joel puts me front row? <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like it depends how many times you've seen Billy Joel yeah. at that point. Just to shore up where how we even got to this point though is like you know, Macho Man, he, I mean, his career just kind of took off from there, right? He went through ICW, which is no longer existent, but where he met Jerry Lawler. And yeah, I think in Florida, in the, like, yeah. the Florida Indies, he yeah. was... And back then, it was still territories. It wasn't... It hadn't... It was just all starting to get put together. So he was like... He was like the first wave of guys after WWF kind of consolidated a bunch mm. of smaller companies. Sure. I think about him as like, because I was talking about that cartoon earlier. He was like the first guy to come along after the roster of that cartoon. Yeah. Was like he voiced was by Peter Boyle? <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't on it. And that's the tragedy. That oh, would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he signed with the WWF then in 85 after bouncing around, met Jimmy Hart and all them. And, uh, I guess like you're, we're talking about the whole rest of the history there, but I mean that they rest brought him history. in with a, a manager hunt. They were like, he's a, he's such a hot prospect. Which manager is going to get him? Yeah. Then he swerved everyone and brought out Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, who is we? I don't think we've even mentioned her yet. She was such a huge part of what he like did in that company. Right. Well, he was like the only one who had a female manager at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure most of them didn't I think want so, their yeah. females with them when they were doing that. Right. Stuff. Well, I mean, she also was like movie star pretty. Like she was like, there was another, they mentioned another woman who'd been around wrestling a lot who they were considering. And like, it took, it took looking as good as she did to get that spot. Basically. Sure. They're like, we're going to go with someone with experience. He's like, wait, let me show, let me show her to you. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh yeah, you can, she, you can, she can be with you. He kind of had like, yeah, the Joe Bluth thing of like after a couple of years and realized, oh my God, I brought my wife into this with a back room full of big Dude, strapping dude. Who are you? Hear the stories now, and none of them were good people back then. No. You almost right. kind of get why he's like watching over her so much and is so possessive. Yeah, because he's like a lot of these guys. You do got to kind of worry about. I'm sure I would assume most of them would know like that's off limits. But you know, I don't know. He was so obs- obsessive about everything. It also makes sense that would apply to like his relationships. I feel like the only person you would be able to trust and who would probably do a good job protector is like Andre the Giant. They're just like nobody. Andre didn't like Andre. him actually. No, the only person he could trust was Lanny, his brother. All oh, right, Lanny yeah. Poffo, who's in the doc, mm-hmm. and he Lanny Poffo was uh, he got him signed to WWF. They said that in the doc when they asked him, he was like, "Can I bring my brother?" Yeah. <laughs> I like his, his brother. I'm stop trying to go yeah. the impression of them. But his brother was his biggest champion. Yeah. For sure. When they got when they got it when they signed him to WCW, he also insisted on bringing Lanny. And I don't think Lanny ever wrestled a single match. Oh my god! They kept him signed the entire time. Macho Man was there, and they always talked about bringing him up, but they didn't really want him. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But Macho got him like uh like multiple years of pay, uh-huh. like awesome. wrestling pay, just for being his brother. You know, that's, that's so good. You hear the things that are good about him, and that's that's a pretty impressive thing. Absolutely. I just loved it when he was talking about the wedding, about his speech in the documentary. He's like, at the end, he's like, 
not a dry eye in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I killed it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he just had he had that very like that bravado though of mm-hmm. a wrestler, even though it's like he wasn't a big time wrestler. Right. Yeah. He gave me real Ray Liotta vibes. <laughs> totally. That's good. A little bit. Yeah. Macho Man and Elizabeth together yeah. were a really interesting dynamic because like he's a heel, what they would call that's a bad guy in wrestling. Bad mm-hmm. guys are heels. Good guys are faces. She's a He's the heel. He's like one of the worst heels, but she can't heal. Like no one would boo Miss Elizabeth. They loved her. She was a face managing a heel, essentially. Yeah. And the way he used her, like he would put her in front of him when his opponents were coming after, like real Mm. coward stuff. Like, but she would still kind of do things to help him, but no one would boo her. It was always that like, which made it, it's it's great because there's that where they're against each other. And then when he went full on like good guy, when he went face, Mm -hmm. people loved it because now he could be a face with her. Mm-hmm. And when he would heal and she was still faced, they were all sad about it and they were separated. Yeah. It was an entire relationship that wasn't there for anyone else. And I think that's probably where like a lot of women who were watching at the time, they had that. They had a story, a relationship story. Right. And like Macho Man was able to put an interesting relationship story in the middle of wrestling, in the middle of the 80s, which like. I don't think few people could have understood how to do that the way he could. He did. Mm-hmm. And it did so much for him as well. Yeah. It's just, it is a very delicate balance. What I was trying to look up here is when they finally divorce and, but she was still his manager in ring because that persona had gone so yeah. big, they could not separate them from each other, right? Yeah, it was 1992 that they finally did get divorced for for good. Okay. But I was I've, too... <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Whatever you gotta do, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it's just very interesting that they were still good with doing this because they knew they were so established in this well, world. Well, I'm sure it's because of the money they could make off it. It must have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah. It sounds like it wasn't good for him at all. And then in WCW, they put him back together again. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? It's like I can't even ditch my, my ex-wife now because I... <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's like we're, we're worth too much just to be around each other. Right. Like those un, uh, Underworld movies, Kate Beckinsale, directed by, like, Len Wiseman and Martin... Not Martin Sheen, Michael Sheen, mm-hmm. right? He was dating Kate Beckinsale, and I think Kate Beckinsale ended up dumping him or cheating on him. I don't want to slander. And... Going out with Len Wiseman. Oh, wow. And then she didn't come back for the third movie, which is a prequel. And Michael Sheen came back, and he's the star of the third movie. And oh, it's directed wow. by the guy who took his wife. My God, that's crazy. They got wow, a real so. Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles <laughs> relationship going on there. Yeah, this, when Chris this, walked in, he spit on me before we started. <laughs> <laughs> that's you, you told me you like that. That's... That's our handshake. <laughs> That's what I do instead of a fun handshake. I thought that was... You know I love I a fan, fun handshake. Is that why you were recording? The, <laughs> they had the video set up? Oh, yeah. Can I get a copy some. of that? <laughs> <laughs> We've done a lot of good work talking about kind of how Mantra Man came along, some of his bigger moments here. I don't know. Is there anything else that's like kind of defines... I mean, we've talked around WrestleMania a lot, but I think we've mentioned very briefly that WrestleMania three match. It almost kind of feels like that was like what almost defined like WWF. Like, I I mean, and I'll leave this to you, Chris, to kind of talk to a little bit about it, but I must feel like as much as that was like the best macho man match, a lot of people talk about that as like one of the best matches period. Yeah. 
that a lot of guys uh, who came along like kind of in the 90s and guys started getting a little bit more like athletic and a little bit more like uh, elaborate with their matches and mm-hmm. started kind of trying to like not worry so much about uh, trying to have like legit good matches and having like the best matches they could have. Yeah. Those guys all like started with WrestleMania three. It sounds like if you listen to them talk like all these like. All these guys who saw WrestleMania three, that was kind of their first touchstone. And I think looking back, I can't think of a match before that that really sort of defines what was to come in terms of like they call it work rate. You know, mm-hmm. the guys who are like trying to have a good match and doing really like quick stuff. And like, you know, that goes into WCW having the cruiserweights. They started having the cruiserweights, which was the first time they started featuring guys for being lighter because they could do more. So now right. they're doing like these arm drag, like a Ricky's Dra- the Dragon Steamboat was known for his arm drags. They called him the Arm Dragon, um. and like that's he does those all over the place in that match. Like the athleticism in that match was just like unprecedented at the time. Is that why they call him Ricky the Dragon? No, it was just sort of a fun like connection that could be made. Oh, I see. Okay, um, I was like, okay, did I totally miss this? <laughs> <laughs> like in that match, also people say it like stole the show from Hulk Hogan and Andre. Even. Yeah, it was just, uh, and it's fun too that it has a callback to WrestleMania too because George Steele comes out. Mm-hmm. George the Animal Steel is the one who costs Macho Man the match because Macho Man actually gets like a visible pinfall over Ricky when the ref is out. Yeah. And then he goes up top, and uh, George, he's going to do the ring bell again. He's going to he hit him in the throat with the ring bell, and it was like a big deal. Yeah. And George Steele pushes him off the rope, and then Steamboat got the small package. <laughs> so like Macho even was able to tie in like an old match to this new one and create this like really satisfying finish, which is yeah super fun. My favorite uh, story, just to get off for a moment about George the Animal Steel, is that he was a school teacher in like his downtime. So he would go back to Michigan after he'd be like done wrestling for like a season or whatever. He would just take some time off and he would go back and he's just this normal school teacher. And then that's like finally his when the wrestling got bigger, these kids realized that he was a pro wrestler. (laughs) Talk about a guy you cannot imagine seeing in public just being he had a green tongue and he would eat the turnbuckle pad. Yeah. Well, you know who else? More back fur than I'd ever seen at that point in time. (laughs) You know who was a substitute teacher? Uh, uh. This guy right here, I was also... Uh, I wasn't calling you out. <laughs> calling you out, but uh, I was going to say Eastbound Down guy, Danny McBride, while they were getting famous, he oh, did okay. that. Really? I was also a substitute teacher, so I thought you were giving me a little spotlight, <laughs> but that's cool. We can go back to talking about Danny McBride. I think he's really he's funnier than me. I can admit that. Well, obviously, very talented people taught in their downtime. Uh, that big mealtime guy, another guy who, while his videos were coming out, were substitute teaching. Wow, really? <laughs> because talented people tend to enjoy pain. <laughs> It's what it's what fuels us. But it keeps the world turning round. You're educating young minds and you're entertaining the smaller, dumber, older ones. Well, Chris know. Chris once sat me down like after the show. He first he said, like, what amazing show. And then he said something to me so profound and it stuck with me till this day. He said the children are the future. And I don't think I've ever heard that from anyone else. <laughs> and I just think those were like just some really astute words. And I also think we need to avoid the future at all costs. Let's end it now. He's not a big fan of future. He left that part out. I said that part too. He's trying to make it sound like a he's trying to make it sound like it's something I didn't the say. The sun's gonna handle that just fine Being for selective. all of us, you guys. We don't, need, we don't need to do anything about it. It's just gonna come. Hell yeah. That's the, that's what that Beatles song is about, global warming, right? <laughs> Here comes the sun. <laughs> well, Yes, but back to WrestleMania 3. <laughs> I don't even know how brother. I segue off of that. Okay, brothers, get back on track. Yeah, we like to talk about different things. Funny enough, Fred, 
<laughs> that cream rising to the top uh, interview, I'm pretty sure, was a lead up to WrestleMania three. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Um, because it was like his cup of coffee, right? He's like Ricky Steamboat cup of coffee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I confuse that one with one he did with Hogan sometimes. So I can't remember if it was three or five. But three, that sounds right, because I remember it being in the documentary and, like, a lot of it. They showed a lot of it. Okay. Yeah. I just, I mean. It's we, such a simple phrase, but it worked so well. Everything he says is just so, like, <laughs> it, it's just magnetic. Like, you just get sucked into what he's saying. And he, like, designed that voice for himself, kind of. Like, he figured it out. Yeah. He, like, created this whole, like, form of speech that uh, kind of took, I think he just talked like that afterward. Yeah. I mean, and how does he how does he drop it when you're doing that in the ring and you're doing it on in these interviews? The way he punctuates his words. No one punctuates their words that way. Yeah. <laughs> makes, but it's like it's so it's so him because he made everything count. He made everything matter. He makes every word matter. Even. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't, see he like the hits person. his words like he hits the flying elbow drop. Yeah, <laughs> He's exactly. such a perfectionist psychopath. Yeah. But if you did not see the person and you heard Macho Man, it's like unmistakable yeah. it's him, right? Like you'd be like, if it's not him, it's someone Randy impersonating Savage. him. Yeah. But like, you know, they're doing Randy Savage, right? I, I don't know. I love this one. And the look, he's got the bandana, the sunglasses. He always changed outfits. Yeah. He like had the most flamboyant outfits. And I don't think I ever seen him wear the same one twice. You'll have to see my wardrobe. No, <laughs> it's not even an iota of as impressive as what he like, Man had. There's a portion of his career where he hadn't even gotten into cowboy hats yet. And he was still amazing. <laughs> then he found cowboy hats. <laughs> the day Macho Man started wearing cowboy hats. Imagine. <laughs> if I had describe his voice. This guy wasn't rooting and tooting yet. You watch. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to describe his voice in one word, I would say cocaine. Because <laughs> that's what it's... He sounds like that yeah. one guy when I go to a townie bar who's like talking like way too much, who's just like chugging Miller Lite, just like, oh yeah, and we're gonna go to State Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also like a thing that uh, that th like he like made that voice essentially. I don't. It's interesting. They didn't talk about drugs in the documentary too much, did they? Like no. I don't recall a thing where they said. I mean, I think there's allusion to the fact that a lot of the guys were probably using steroids at that time. Yeah, Macho Man probably did. I mean, even if he they like figure if he figured out that voice and then applied coke to it, that that's a pretty <laughs> that's a hefty hefty mix. I mean, the the sad part is a lot of these guys did struggle with drug issues. I don't think I don't think I've ever read, and I was doing a lot of research on this that Macho Man ever was like connected to that. I think he just was very. At least he didn't Naturally have like a notable intense. problem yeah. the way some guys did. Some guys like like Jake the Snake Roberts, for yeah. example, it's he, like documented. He seems like a guy I would say like, oh, I believe he's never done it, but he sounds like cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he met a coke addict at one point in yeah. his life, and he's like, that's the that's what I gotta do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was the energy of the time. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that he had like his own like tailor too, though guy who would make him clothes. It reminds me so much of like all these like different like superhero movies and TV shows now, and they're really focusing in on the people who make like, yeah. the costumes. That's what I kept thinking of is like he's got a guy he goes to, and he's like, I need this. Like, <laughs> that's the Phantom Thread sequel I want to see. <laughs> oh Speaking of method, actors, Phantom Thread yeah. sounds like it could be a superhero. 
superhero. Because <laughs> <laughs> once you start pulling the thread, the whole sweater unravels. He possesses you by your clothing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Let's talk a little about our coulda, woulda, shoulda segment. Because obviously Macho Man had a very rich career. You know, did a couple of movies outside of Spider-Man, which you mentioned. Ready to rumble. If we had to pick some things that you'd wanted to see him pursue at some point, what would you have wanted to see from the Macho Man's career? So baseball didn't work out for him. Oh, how about Macho Man, the stand-up comedian? (laughs) (laughs) Those wrestlers who, like, drive around, you know, they they go to, they do, like, Wednesday spots at clubs, Macho being one of those guys. I could see it. Oh, my God. (laughs) One of them, one of the big wrestlers is, like, Dabbling in stand up though. A right? few of them are, yeah. A lot of them actually. Who am I thinking of is like Jake the, the Snake had like Jake the Snake has a he's been here to the Cactus Club actually. Really? Doing I'm, like a, like a headline set. But he goes uh, I think he goes to Skyline and gets like a Wednesday. They have an off they have an off night and these guys can like go forever with the stories they tell. Wow. Yeah, I guess McFoley McFoley's done it. Uh he's that still makes he sense. still does it regularly, I think. But Macho Man was so naturally funny, yeah. I yeah. feel like he could totally in that do voice, this. he can say anything and you're gonna be listening. <laughs> What's the deal? It might with have been airline a lot. It might have been a lot for forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if they if they did that, but they didn't do any of like store narrative material. It was all jokes. They just tried to write jokes. <laughs> I'd love that. And everyone's like, wait, tell us about that when you got in that locker room fight with the Rougeau brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanna talk about airline peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever noticed that internet dating is strange? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even move on from that. There's nothing. There's nothing. That would just be so good. I'm Macho doing like pretty much any other like uh, like a Macho Man pro bowler, Macho Man pro golfer, pro golfer Macho Man. That would be fun. Yes. That'd be a happy Gilmore situation. I think he could have been in one particular Bond movie. And I think I would have loved him to have been in Die Another Day. Yeah. I think he there was a role for him somewhere because that movie is so kitschy, right? But couldn't you see him being like a Mister Mister Hinks or whatever when Dave Batista like had that little role in Spectre? So yeah, that was actually just about what I was about to say. Here is, could you imagine him in a Dave Batista type career with the way he's going? You know what would have been? You know what I just thought of? Here's what would have been good. Uh, thinking of a TV show he could have done. Uh, you know they just they're doing that like new Quantum Leap. They got like a Quantum Leap reboot. Yeah. Imagine Macho Man in Quantum Leap. Oh my god. Because he's like, uh, who's the guy? Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula was like he didn't have to do impressions of whoever he was doing. You just saw the perspective of him being himself. Right. And then when it, then he's a woman or he's like a baby or he's like a, a, a Democrat or something. You know he jumps into all these different like characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Macho Man could just be himself. Oh my in every situation, but he's like a teenage girl who just got her period. <laughs> you know, because it's whatever she's got to change. <laughs> Give me a damn <laughs> That's it. That's perfect for him. <laughs> That's how you'd use what he has. <laughs> so, so you want him like a in nice quantum TV leap? Show. Quantum leap off the top turnbuckle with an elbow smash. <laughs> it's perfect. Right through it all. I like that because then he'd make some good money with like yeah. residuals and uh, what's it called when <laughs> it goes to other channels? Mm-hmm. Syndication. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to think no of a word too. No can do, Ziggy. <laughs> <laughs> what about just like Law and Order? Looks like this guy oh, that is would be incredible. dead. <laughs> <Just> a lawyer. <laughs> he's just like he is, but he's a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you just doing the glasses <laughs> off thing? Yeah. Talking to Sam Watterson. <laughs> Put his finger in Sam Watterson's face. <laughs> you could almost kind I hear of imagine. you've been saying things about me. <laughs> you can imagine, though, right, that, like, 
he has some kind of persona that like do you know how they all have like these revival shows right now like everybody's getting like their own like thing like they're doing a Nicolas Cage movie and yeah, you have, yeah like everything everywhere at once that puts like Michelle Yeoh like right at the oh, front center yeah you know like what if they did something that was almost kind of like a version of like the wrestler with Mickey Rourke but it was more I don't know like a self-aware maybe yeah like more like that, like a yeah. dark comedy I'm kind of thinking like along the lines of like Succession or I like I thought White you were Lotus. suggesting like a reality show at first and I was like we saw that with Hulk Hogan and it was really sad <laughs> but like Hogan doesn't have the off-screen personality to make that go right like <laughs> well I would say Hogan's a guy who did but it's also his life was like just a terrible mess and it was really yeah well that too I feel like there is like that perfect project for him but he is such a individual and he's very much that it seems like he does his thing and that's it mm-hmm. it would be you make a movie where it's about he's got to get to a big match to win money for an orphanage right, yeah, i guess like wacky characters along the way that's what i'm saying you'd have to really like make the jigsaw peg exact to fit it but if you did the right concoction i think it would be amazing but i don't think he's got the versatility of a batista no, no. like batista can be like the sad dude with glasses in the beginning of Blade Runner and then also be like dude from Guardians. No, like, that's Batista's been true. a real surprise. Like right, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't expect him to take to it as well as he has. No, he's been he's been awesome. I like I look forward to that. I mean I look forward to John Cena now, probably oh, yeah. like that Peacemaker show, which is another very interesting use of a persona like that where mm-hmm. he almost didn't have that over the top like no, Macho Man. Yeah, he's really he uh he's taken to it too and I think uh, that happened a lot over the course of I Peacemaker. think he got robbed of a comedy drama Emmy yeah. nomination. I wouldn't give it to him, but I would have nominated him in that comedy section. He just does the dry comedy, like the Judd Apatow type, like mumblecore almost mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like he has like that great scene where he's like thinking about like that thing with his brother I won't say in case anyone's seen it. It's got like the ballad playing and he's like just sad drinking. Like he, yeah. he like that's the stuff like I wish I could say Macho Man could do, but I don't think he could. But if he had had the right project i think the thing would fucking hum yeah for sure well i mean you think about it too though right like you have like cobra kai out there right now which yeah. totally span the narrative around on like oh here's like the the bully the villain's perspective on what this could be so like you can always model a project if you have the right writers around it the question though is like how do you get like real emotion out of like Macho Man, which I think he could maybe pull off. Oh, you he they, you got plenty of emotion out of him in wrestling, but it's all like it, in the form of Macho Man. Yeah, yeah. everything's a ten. Yeah, <laughs> there's no sevens or four. Everything's like, filtered through that character. So you just make a movie where it's that character doing something. Like, yeah, like the Neville Dean and Taylor guys, the crank guys. Yeah. I think if he had like a crank style movie, which I don't know if you guys ever watched Crank and Crank Two, this movie's fucking rock. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, my put Jason Statham in it. Too much. Oh, yeah. Jason Statham in a movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think those guys don't make movies together anymore, which sucks. But yeah, something like a high octane, like if you are Ghost Rider 2 where Idris Elba's the bad guy, that movie is. Oh, man. Wait a minute. Idris Elba's in. Did you see Ghost Rider 2? I didn't see Ghost Rider and Forget about one. You don't need to see it. Two is the guys who did Crank, and it literally starts from, like, scene one is like, and it's like Nick Cage and Idris Elba chasing each other. Oh, my God. And the whole movie is that. There's space for Nick Cage to come back to the MCU, but I don't want to see him as Ghost Rider. I don't need no, that No, no. You do the other guy. Oh. Uh, who are you talking about? The 
the Latinx guy. I think they would probably oh, do that character. Oh, the, yeah, 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 that character. I think they already got him. It might be like... Because he was oh, in... Uh, uh, Robbie I've heard, I've heard of this Ghost Rider, but I'm not particularly familiar. He was in S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I've never watched yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I've just assumed they're going to go with a younger, yes. hipper version, which that, that's totally cool. No, me. absolutely. And they're kind of doing that with the Blue Beetle, too. Using the kid from Cobra Kai... Uh, who's playing that character, which is going to be very exciting. But, yeah, they probably do something very similar with Ghost Rider now if they're going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like Robbie Reyes or something like that. I'll have to look that up. But, yeah, something heightened like that I would love to see him in. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Nick Cage we're talking about, not Macho. <laughs> I would see Nick Cage play Macho Man. That would be good. Mm-hmm. Well, what's ever going to happen? Cage is like, Nick Cage is an actor who I feel has the same energy as the Macho Man had as a wrestler. I agree. Like with Nick that. Cage to be to be in a movie, Nick Cage, you have to be like this guy is like Nick Cage for some reason. Yeah, and it's the same kind of thing with Macho Man, but they're both kind of you know they're unique people. They're once yeah. in a lifetime people. And Nick Cage is like the spiritual version, I feel, of Macho. You know, he does like weird like uh, like a tribal tradition before every role where he does like some sort of thing where he like paints his face. It's like. Yeah, he does like a whole. I don't need to ritual. know that to know that. I just know. That. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about people playing wrestlers, we were supposed to get a Chris Hemsworth Hulk Hogan movie, which sounds crazy. But if you do the face overlap, it's good. They're yeah. both blonde. They, <laughs> no, I think you, you could make him mustache. Yeah, of course. I'm just trying to imagine though Chris Hemsworth getting that big, like, and not like muscular wise. I think he could probably sell it just fine. But I'm trying to think about like. Like that loud where he's trying to get in your face, brother. I think it's one of those things it's going to be amazing or... Oh. Gonna, it's just going to be sexy Hulk Hogan. It's going to suck. It's going to be sexy Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Gonna, I think there could be something be there. I think there might be something there. But I do I like the fine. idea of a Macho Man biopic. And Nick Cage is a hell of a choice. Like That's like... like you nailed it out the gate. If Perfect. you don't get him, don't do it. <laughs> do, the, do the love and mercy thing, like where they had for Brian Wilson, they had Paul Dano play young Brian Wilson. Well, Paul Dano is so good. John Cusack play old Brian Wilson. Young young Macho Man would be played by uh, what's what's the guy's name from Lost? Josh. Josh Holloway. Ah, uh, yeah, Sawyer. Like Sawyer. Him. Sawyer would be young. Yeah. but he's Man. not young anymore though. He's no, an old he's Macho Sawyer Man now. didn't look that young. <laughs> he's, Macho Man always looked. Macho Man was kind of ageless. He slimmed down a lot too, yeah. though. I saw he's on Yellowstone yeah. now. A show that oh, I watch. Okay. That's very fitting. There's some other, some other is, guy with a beard. He's, some other guy with a beard. They're all good actors. Everyone's. If they're a good actor, they'll nail it. He's a dirty businessman. You meet him fly fishing on their property. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be here. And I was like, oh, you motherfucker. And Costner's <laughs> just like, I want you to think about the choices you've made today. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I know Kevin Costner can do good work, but I just always think about some of his dry, like, line reads in some of his most famous <laughs> movies. Like, Kevin, put some emotion in what you're saying. <laughs> I like baseball, and my dad left me, or I left my dad. <laughs> I forgot the plot of the movie. <laughs> well, Yellowstone is a lot of him being like, well, that's the thing with lawyers, and then just some, like, like old-school comment, like, they're never here when you need them. <laughs> Any other coulda, woulda, shouldas that we want to talk about? Or what's a, what's a, what are the other two? We did a coulda, I think. What's a woulda and a shoulda? Mm. Or is that just all one thing? It's all kind of. Oh, okay. It all kind of <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, th- I think we just all kind of agree we want like a film project that centers around him and uses his talents. Yes. 
But I would have I would have just have been interested in seeing his career go a, a little different. Like maybe instead of leaving WWE, Vince McMahon, if I think Vince McMahon had let him get back in the ring, he would have, and I think he would have been more he would have been used better there. I don't think he was used the best he could have been used in WCW. He got the heavyweight title, but he was kinda in Hogan's shadow. And then he was just kind of another NWO guy. He got the thing with DDP. That was really the only highlight. Yeah. But yeah, it was WWF at the time. He was talking about the Shawn Michaels angle he wanted to do. That would have been amazing. Which, yeah, was Because Shawn Michaels was a guy with his, like, ability, too, in terms of putting together something really special. And he was, like, one of the best athletes I had at the time. It would have been, like, Steamboat again, kind of him working a with just bit. an amazing athlete. I mean, yeah. Got, but other side, too, because he would have been the face and Sean would have been the heel. Yes. So it, it's great that you get one side of Macho when he's a heel, and then you kind of take that dynamic and flip it when he's a face. Oh, that would have been really fun, though. I would have loved to see, yeah, after Hogan leaves, Macho Man becomes, like, the highlight guy. And Bret Hart. Bret Hart was, like, kind of... Bret Hart was, like, the first normal champion they had. Yeah. You know, the first time they had a guy, what, what I was saying, you see him at the gas station, he, you can kind of imagine talking to him. That's yeah. what Bret Hart felt like. He was great, though. I'm a big Bret Hart fan. I think him and Macho would have been incredible together. I feel so sad for Bret Hart because I yeah. love Bret Hart, and I feel like he just got... I mean, we always talk about it. It's like, what is it, the... What's the screw job thing called? The Montreal screw, screw job? Yeah. And that was, that was the least of all the tragedies. Yeah. I mean... Mont- I think Bret Hart kind of ended up at that same impasse with McMahon where he was being phased out and he was fighting for it and he couldn't win. Yeah. Just like Hogan was always going to be on top, Shawn Michaels was going to be put there, and there's nothing Brett could do. Yeah, McMahon. That's why I think they, the Brett comments a lot way. in that Macho thing, and I think Brett like empathized with him a lot and kind of knew what he'd been through. Well, but I those two, some of those WrestleMania did, yeah. nine, they had Bret Hart versus Yokozuna. Macho was there. They could have had Bret Hart, Macho Man. <sighs> that's that's a WrestleMania. See, that's you know? a leftover thing. So you want to know about Vince McMahon? That's exactly what happened. Is like he would do shit like. He promised Bret Hart he was going to, like, keep his title. Like, he was, like, the the world champion. He had, like, a whole run they were still planning. And it wasn't the thing, like, who did he lose to? Shawn Michaels. It was Shawn Michaels, yeah. yeah. That was the only poison. guy he wouldn't lay down to because it was in Montreal. <laughs> he was in his hometown. He didn't want to lose to his worst enemy, like a him. guy he genuinely didn't like, Shawn Michaels, in his hometown. Yeah, and so basically they they called the match, like, while he was in, like, a pin step, even though it's, like, if you look at the replay, he's, like, not fully pinned, like, or he, like... Sean, actually, that move on the wall there, there's a, on the wall, there's a picture of The Rock giving Mick Foley the sharpshooter. Sean got Brett in that move. That's Brett's move. That's Brett's finisher. Sean got Brett in his own finisher, and the referee immediately called the bell with Vince McMahon at ringside. Screwed him over. And that was, like, reality. Like, Brett thought they were going to have a disqualification where no one wins. Oh, wow. And, but it was also, that was what, like, kind of got WWF huge because it was like they had broken the script in a way that had never happened before. Yeah. And it was, like, interesting. And then it set up Stone Cold to come in. Yeah. It ultimately, like, was probably the best thing for them, even though it was, like, really sleazy at the time. Yeah, you can't imagine Stone Cold and Bret Hart. Like, Stone Cold would have not been the good guy in that. No, well, that was the thing. They, they At WrestleMania 13, they fought each other. Stone Cold went in the bad guy. Brett was the good guy. Mm-hmm. They worked a match where it ended with Brett being the heel and Stone Cold the face. They managed to, like, double turn wow. with how they wrestled the match. So Stone Cold was kind of set up. He probably would have gone over Brett for the title instead of Sean, actually. Sure. But Brett was... It's he. What we, <laughs> it's sad that he went to WCW and had like whatever would have happened in WWF. It couldn't have been worse than WCW. Yeah. Same thing with Macho Man. WCW had a lot of promise, and I remember watching a lot of it, but never feeling as thrilled as I did once I came back to WWF and watched, like, 
Stone Cold's matches, like when he took got it from Michaels and onward, and it just because they, they came had, up with a couple of groundbreaking stories. What they did with the NWO was very interesting. Yeah, and going head to head with WWF and uh, some of the people they signed, they were doing something very interesting for a while, but then they couldn't support it. Like it just yeah. fell apart after a bit. Right, they wasted Macho Man and a lot of other guys. I think they kind of bled everything that was cool about them. Like NWO, they just ran it into the ground because there's always more money to be made from merchandise, and it was just all about the money. They weren't really keeping up with like the art of it right. so when the money wasn't there anymore it had everything was just dry yeah Eric Bischoff just screwed that thing so badly <laughs> but lest we leave it on a downer note we're going to talk about in our power rankings the best moments of Macho Man's career I want to know the top three moments that you guys have Chris would you be so kind to start for us um let's see I think uh, WrestleMania three, I think that I'll say that's number. Do, do, do they have to be? Can it not be in sequential order? It's a lot of uh, you can pressure. do it however oh, you want to do you. it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be more free in how I think about it now. Yeah. I won't have to. But yeah, WrestleMania three, the match with Steamboat, which I mean, if nothing else, like I said, I really think there's a generation of wrestlers that wouldn't be exactly who they are at the very least, even if they'd even been doing it. That was like you know, creatively just such an amazing thing. Yeah, and then. I, I want to go WrestleMania 4, but WrestleMania 4, where he got the heavyweight title for the first time, it was kind of like, it was all like he was sharing the stage with Hogan, and Hogan sort of stole the moment a little bit. So I'm yeah. going to skip that one. I'm going to go to WrestleMania 7, where, or wait, was that 6? No, 7. WrestleMania 7, the retirement match. He loses the retirement match to the Ultimate Warrior. Should, shouldn't be a great moment, right? He just lost his career to the Warrior. Yeah. But then uh, his manager, Sensational Sherry, turns on him, starts kicking him and beating him up. Oh. And who comes out Who comes out of the audience and rescues him? Miss Elizabeth, his yeah. estranged. I'm tearing up. That's how powerful it is. <laughs> it's like one of the most. It was like the height, I think, of his like uh, pathos would be that moment oh right God. there. Put him back together. Whatever was going on in reality, great moment for Macho. And then WrestleMania 8... He defends Elizabeth Sonner against Ric Flair and beats him for the heavyweight title. Then, then he gets his moment without Hogan, and he's just defended Miss Elizabeth Sonner. So I'll say that's top three right there. Excellent. No, those are great. And, yeah, if anybody's never seen any of these WrestleManias, they're worth looking up. It's, I think it was like fun. the best of WWE Volume 27. Yeah. Probably the best thing on Peacock after, like, The Office. <laughs> <laughs> or just yeah, watch a best of with Macho Man. I've been quite enjoying the Chucky TV show on Peacock. Oh. <laughs> Another larger-than-life character. Yes. Ah. Fred, you got some memories or moments of Macho Man you want to share? I mean, I saw Spider-Man 3, no, Spider-Man three times <laughs> in theaters, mm -hmm. and then I watched Big difference it. in those statements. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> I saw Spider-Man 3 twice in theaters, so that's not great. Ugh. But I saw Spider-Man once, three times in theaters. I went on an out-of-country trip while I was in theaters, and I watched it twice on the flight there to England, where I was going, and twice on the way back. Mm-hmm. So I would say my fondest memory is Bonesaw is oh, ready. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm I'm only gonna have two because like I said I wasn't I didn't get to watch wrestling. Two is just sometimes at work when I'm having a bad day I I hit the gas station and I go over to that meat counter where they have all those <laughs> slim gyms and I get that XL thick daddy and I rip into it split into it. 
Snap into Sna- it. I snap into <laughs> it. You gotta snap it to a Slim Jim. When I snap into that Slim Jim, <laughs> I'm happy. So those are my, those. I got two and that's yeah, it. That's Meet the macho one. man. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to be a macho man, brother. Got to. Man. I mean, how, how did that not come up before this moment? <laughs> <laughs> Like the one thing that's like just completely like somehow in the same atmosphere, but not anywhere near related. I think as far as my moments go, it's hard because there are so many quintessential moments that you guys already said. Like the bone saw cameo is definitely one for me because I got so giddy when I saw Macho Man in that movie. I'm like, I'm like, I know who that is, and other people are like, what? It's like, no, no, no. He's like not a better wrestler that could have had that spot. It's just he brought the right, like, yeah, machismo, if you will forgive the pun there. Uh, (laughs) But then I would definitely say, uh, you know, watching WrestleMania three and just what a what a performance that was, and such a fun one. I remember going back and watching that. Even as a kid, I would go to blockbuster and rent the vhs tapes i remember getting wrestlemania 3 because i wanted to watch uh hogan versus andre the giant mm-hmm. that's like the promise of like you can see him like body slam andre the giant which is like an incredible feat in itself like to pick yeah. up a man that large but then you see this match with macho man and, and ricky the dragon and you're like holy crap this is exciting it's something about it like even as a kid it just like it flips the good match yeah. switch in your head you're like what i'm seeing here is uh yeah the chemistry these two have physically watching it 10 years after it happened and it's like it's almost modern it felt like it was I think it's because macho he put that match together so carefully and he just knew where to put everything he knew how to like be, uh, draw you into it with these spots yeah and i will say it's probably his interviews are just great the one that um, I, I was even thinking about earlier, he like starts quoting Sonny and Cher, and it's just a very weird moment. Like he's like Elizabeth's going left, and I'm going right. <laughs> and, like, oh, that's incredible! And Gene Okerlund, who I don't think we've even brought up one time, uh, mean Gene Okerlund is just looks the like ultimate he, straight man. He's got uh, yeah. so ridiculous, and he's so he doesn't even have like a second facial expression. Is is he the guy interviewing? Yes, during like guy, the like cream the will rise to the top. Yeah. And that's the one time I think you you look at him and you can just kind of see in his eyes. It's almost he's like smiling (laughs) slightly. Yeah. He's just (laughs) smiling. And you're like, oh, he might have gotten him. He almost broke for like the (laughs) first time you ever see. And oh, it's just such a delight. We eat that up as an audience. Yeah. Because, I mean, everybody loves when you break, right? Of course. In comedy, SNL, improv, whatever it is. Speaking of that. I'm going to get to the end of our episode here and do a little plugs segment for us today. Chris, no, yes. you got some stand-up shows. You have improv shows. Okay, well, uh, I guess a good one a good one to plug is I'm going to be doing the Milwaukee Comedy Festival on um, October 7th. That'll be at the, the Laughing Tap Club. Uh, you can go there and see me. And uh, I'm trying to be more active on social media, so... Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I'm at the Chris Schmidt or the Chris Schmidt, whichever whichever way you want to say it. I'm not I'm not being fancy about it. So give a follow. Absolutely. Laughing Tap, by the way, is laughingtap.com. It's just laughingtap.com, no spaces. So please look up tickets to the festival there. Yeah, if you're putting spaces in there, you're doing it wrong. So <laughs> I don't know why you would even do that. It's, just learn to use the internet, okay? It's, it's almost like when you got those like Remember back in the day when they're trying to teach you how to like type in a web mm-hmm. address? You have to pipe in 
www.whateveryourlookingfor.com. <laughs> and don't forget the HTTPS <laughs> slash slash colon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, Chris, I think that's that's great. Definitely look up the Milwaukee Comedy Festival. It's some exciting stuff there. Um, I know it's been kind of on and off the last couple of years too, so it should be really exciting. And if year. you if you think you're going to forget about that, a good uh, place to keep up is at the Chris Schmidt Instagram and TikTok. Just follow follow on both because I post different I post some different things to each, so just follow on both, please. They're perfect. Fred, how about you? What do you got coming up? Nah, we'll get to plugs for me soon. I'm I got married. I'm in the middle of a move. Oh, I have look at this macho man over here. You know. <laughs> found your own Miss Elizabeth, did you? Yes, brother, I did. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping in the next few episodes I'll be plugging shows. Keep Paul Hogan away from her. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Paul Hogan away from everything. He's got the, those jealous eyes. He's got. He's, he kind of gave me Mel Gibson vibes when I watched that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, we'll definitely keep you all posted on Fred's movements soon enough. Be back performing. Um, you can catch these guys both at the Interchange Theater as well, doing improv shows. Uh, check out your local listings at theinterchangetheater.com. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are the SOTF Pod, and on Twitter, we are State of the Franchise. That's all one word. No spaces. Just to make sure we know that on Instagram. Yeah. Just, if I just don't understand why you'd be doing these spaces. The <laughs> like, not stress enough. Don't put spaces in there. You know, know what? I don't know what more I can do. Actually, no, wait. I do have something to plug, and it's not my butt. <laughs> for once. I will be doing an improv show the 7th. I freaked out because I have a wedding the next day. Not not mine again. I'm not doing <laughs> it again. That's the real improv show, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to a wedding in Eagle River, I think. But I'm going Saturday, and I'm having a show Friday, October 7th, with Cobweb, one of the great teams. Uh, Robbie McGee is on that Speaking team. Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. That's a fantastic watch, Chef Cobweb. Mm-hmm. Um, so see that on October 7th. Again, that's interchangetheater.com. And you can also come support us at our donation page. That's buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. Or email us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the inbox is ready and raring for more questions. Anything you want to bring up, we'll read them on the air. We'll answer your questions. That's State of the Franchise Podcast at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> we're going to have some sort of Halloween episode. And I'm sorry if we were going to save that announcement, but I want to say we're going to have some sort of Halloween episode. I want to plug it. It's going to happen because you're not writing us emails, but if. You write us an email with a scary experience, like something that happened to you that you can't explain. We want to hear it and we want to read it on the podcast because I'd love to have some like fan tales because that's something I do when I try to sleep. I listen to podcasts where they have listener tales of Mm -hmm. like experiences. So I want I want to emulate that. So if you have a tale where you've experienced something paranormal we want to talk about it on our Halloween episode. State of the Franchise Podcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. No spaces. <laughs> We're really going to tell you not to put spaces in here. Yeah, Mavis Beacon. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for being yeah, on the episode. Yeah, thank you for having me week. out. It was a good time. Yeah, and good thank fun, you. Fun topic to investigate. Yeah, and thank you for all your insight on Macho Man. It was beyond 
amazing to talk to you about that. I'd love to have you back for another wrestling episode because I feel like we just scratched the surface. Pick a new wrestler. Yes. (laughs) We'll just keep going through this cycle every year. (laughs) Every single guy. Yeah. No, we're just going to do Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler next time. Oh, I could do that as well. Another guy just kind of mumbles. Have you ever seen a... Randy the Ram. I was going to sing the Bruce Springsteen song, but I'm not going to... Have you ever seen a one-legged pony? Yes! (laughs) You see me? You ever seen something so sad? (laughs) (laughs) It just breaks your heart. (laughs) Jesus, Bruce. (laughs) Didn't you say... (laughs) Okay. Thank you all for listening and stay tuned for next week where we'll be talking about the Lord of the Rings. And we will see you next time. wrestling rings <laughs> hey you ha- you had your time this is our time <laughs> this is our time our time <laughs>